Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady and Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCrady. Uh, Martin Paloma with me as well today. Our guest today, Jarrett Little of Lentz and Little. We're going to talk about a lot of things, as you might imagine, the business impact, the economic impact of uh, COVID, some of the shutdowns, all of that stuff. We'll talk about uh, just about a number of topics we'll probably do this deal where uh, Martin and Jarrett will have an educated conversation and I will play the role of village idiot and uh, we'll we'll try to give you about 40 minutes of information here on the podcast. Uh, before we get started, let me tell you, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote in 15 minutes in business hours. It's that simple. It's right to the bottom line. No uh, hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is up to you. Uh, Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He'll prove that to you when you make the call, 662-257-1900. And, Martin, tell us a little bit about Clark Ford. Yep, I appreciate you. I'm Noah. sorry, a little bit about, about <laughs> Pinnacle Trust. <I'm laughs> no, sorry. dude, I got you, man. Um, man, I appreciate I'm glad to be back on. This is probably about the only uh, normal thing that, that's going on in my life right now. Everything else is turned upside down and not normal. So, so glad to have this consistency. Um, you know, the thing, the great thing about Pinnacle, um, for, you know, for our client's sake is through all of this, um, through the pandemic, through the shutdown, um, you know, we're, we aren't, we are not able to shut down. We're, you know, people rely on us to, uh, send them income every month, send them, uh, you know, their means of survival, um, each month. And so, you know, it's really been a test of, uh, of figuring out if, if our disaster recovery plan worked, which it has, it's worked great. Um, you know, one of the things we've been able to leverage is, you know, things like this, the podcast, using the equipment that we have um, to communicate with our clients as well and trying to bring our clients relative um, information about things they may, they may need to, to know, especially, you know, with the new uh, Economic Relief Act, which, uh, you know, Jarrett and I are going to dive into a little bit today. But so, yeah, I mean, not only are we managing client assets, but we're also trying to, you know, add value outside of just just managing investments. Um, so, you know, if folks are listening and, you know, they haven't either they either haven't heard from uh, their advisor or, you know, their advisor is not communicating at all. Or if they've found if you guys have found some value in the things that we talk about and want to have a further conversation with us, um, old fashioned telephone still works. Six oh one. Nine five seven zero three two three. Um, the lines are. We do have someone physically there answering the phone, but they also are forwarded to our cell um, while we are working remote. Uh, you can also get us at info at pinntrust dot com. Uh, we're very active on social media, so you can catch us on our Facebook page, either Pinnacle Trust or the Mind on My Money Podcast Facebook page. Uh, I answer pretty quickly on uh, on both of those and. Uh, also, you know, when we kind of get back to whatever new normal looks like, um, if folks need people to talk at their events or uh, if they have something where they would you know, want us to be a guest, we are also happy to to come and do events and talk about the economy, talk about markets or talk about a various number of different things of uh, different things. So just reach out to us 601-957-0323 or uh, email us info at com. Uh, Jarrett, welcome back into the show. You've been uh, you've been on with us once or twice before. Appreciate you spending some time. How's uh, how's quarantine life treating you? Uh, you know, it's it's pretty typical for you know. Right now, we we are still in the office because one of the few things that does not stop for pretty much anything is is bankruptcy court. Um, so, you know, all of the courts across the state have entered emergency orders about, um, you know, continuations of, of certain hearings and, 
trials and things of that nature. And so most most lawsuits and legal actions are kind of, kind of been put on hold, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. But there's kind of two big exceptions to that. The first one is, is criminal matters, because obviously people still have, you know, constitutional due process and speedy trial rights. So yep. if you've been detained and are being held for a crime, you're still entitled to your arraignment, to your preliminary hearing all those sorts of things. Um, and then the other, one of the other thing courts that's still operating is the bankruptcy court because, uh, thing, things in bankruptcy are time sensitive. Uh, they, they continue to move, you know, regardless of what's happening in the outside world. And, and as we're going to get into later in the podcast, it's actually pretty, pretty imperative that, that things continue to move and operate in bankruptcy as we're going through this. So, so we are still in the office. Um, granted, you know, with a, a limited footprint and practicing social distancing as much as we can. So, yep. so I'm still going to work every day. Um, I'm normally one of one of two people in the office right now, but uh, my wife is working from home and uh, our daycare is actually still open. So my daughter is still going to daycare right now. Um, whether that's a good idea, I, I don't know, but we, we kind of don't have a choice at this point. So That's incredible, man, because sorry to, to jump in there, but as we were talking earlier, I've got six people at my house, three of them, uh, you know, doing school from home, me trying to work, mom trying to work and it'd be nice to have somewhere to send the kids. Yeah. Um, my, my wife is, is working from home. She, she's a mental health therapist. And so she's doing all of her therapy sessions with her kids, uh, remotely via, via, I'm not sure if she's using zoom or if she's using something else, but right. But it's definitely – it would be really hard for her to continue to do that with a 14-month-old baby running around. Um, no, I totally – I totally get that, man. I totally – and I guess there are some businesses through, you know, through this whole process that have found innovative ways. And I'm sure there's going to be tons of innovation on the backside of this pandemic. Um, you know, people that have – I kind of think of like the elevator operator, you know, during the Great Depression and whatnot that, you know, they lost their job. And then really elevator operators – kind of ceased to exist pretty shortly afterwards and they were repurposed into something else. But, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit today, Jarrett, especially since this is your area of expertise is, you know, there are going to be businesses that are, that are impacted. And we see, you know, we have friends um, that have businesses that are either, you know, restaurants um, that have really kind of taken a hit, um, you know, or they have businesses where, uh, you know, they sold things that are quote unquote, and I hate that we're actually using this term, but I'm going to use it because it's being used the quote unquote non-essential stuff, um, you know, and their government has kind of forced to shut them down and um, they have no means to generate income for, you know, their family. Now I know that, and we'll talk about it a little bit, there is some relief there. Um, and I don't know, I guess I'll let you, I'll let you run with what order you want to go in. If you want to talk about some of the relief that's there for businesses and then what happens if that's not enough and someone has sure. to restructure. So, so we'll, let's, let's talk first about the, the fundamental problem, which is, which is a lack of revenue. Um, you know, uh, you may have heard the displacement that um, Mr. Shelby used when, when Ford was making those engines to, to beat Ferrari and Lamont. Oh he yeah. said there's no flip. There's no replacement for displacement. Yeah, that was a good movie. Um, so, so in the financial world, it's I haven't seen that movie yet. I actually have been meaning to. It's um, phenomenal. But, uh, but uh, in the financial world, there's there's kind of there's no there's no replacement for revenue. Right. Um, you know, e even if you're going to file for bankruptcy relief, you can't you can't reorganize without without operating revenue. Um, so, that's what people are really going to to run into here the problem is is that you know for ver whether the demand has decreased uh because of the because of the you know crisis it's going on or if the government has ordered them to, to cease operations that that pause in revenue creates a big problem um you know the first and foremost on everybody's mind is you can't make payroll obviously right um, you know you can't you can't make rent or, or your mortgage payment if you're not renting um you know you can't you can't purchase goods if you're still operating and selling goods so you know it, that's that's really the 
the, the fundamental thing is, is you got to have cash coming in the door to, to, to be able to continue operations. And so the government, like you mentioned, the government has done a few things um, through, through the CARES Act uh, to, to alleviate that. Um, well, Which the CARES Act, just for our the, listeners too, is the economic relief bill that was just passed recently, just in case yeah, folks the, didn't know what CARES yeah. meant. Right, yeah, a lot of people are referring to it as the stimulus package. Yep. Um, but it's so a relief the, the, versus the actual, stimulus, yeah. Yeah, it's really right. relief and not stimulus. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, so the the name of the act is the CARES Act. And so it, it does a lot of things. It's it's really long. Um, yep, So about 800 pages. Fo- yeah, I'm going to kind of focus. And if I told you I'd read the whole thing, I would be lying. But <laughs> I, have, I have, you know, done a pretty deep, dive into it and unless you're trained and spend a lot of time reading statutes it can get it can get a little confusing sure so so the the thing that i want to focus on the relief that the cares act provides is is mainly for small businesses because it it does a lot of things for for larger businesses as well those are kind of industry specific like there's some specific provisions for airlines right there's specific provisions for um, government contractors, namely Boeing. I think was the one who kind of, you know, requested that. Um, but but the big the big thing that that I think is going to matter to your listeners from a business standpoint is the small business relief. So so the main thing that is provided under the CARES Act for small businesses is something that's called the the Paycheck Protection Program yep. or the PPP. And, and what that is is it provides loans that are backed by the small business association and those loans are um you're going to still take a loan out with your bank so you're still going to submit a loan application with your bank you're still going to sign a promissory note to a bank um but it's backed by the sba and this is something that's been, I mean, SBA backed loans have, have been around for, for, a for long decades. Time. Yep. And you have less than 500 people, you're eligible. Um, the, there's a few exceptions. I don't think any of your listeners will qualify, but if you provide any services of a sexual nature, um, so like, I, I, I can't think what it would be, but I guess like maybe a, a porn shop or a strip club or something that would not be eligible. Um, you can't, if you, yeah. you, if you stand on the street corner and, and, like I used to do in a former life, you, yeah. you, you don't qualify. <laughs> Neil, I think I think you're in JG's uh, broth that you got going. Yeah, is eligible for that. Yeah, if we we looked into it. It's not. It doesn't work. Yeah, that's okay. I think you know the demand is still really high there. So oh, like okay. you cannot imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so so that and then uh, and then gambling. Uh, so you know any kind of and I can't imagine what casino would have less than 500 employees, but. If there's one out there, it's not, it's not eligible. You know, that's the um, next idea for 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 Neil and and JG is the is the uh, you know out in the Nevada desert with the the brothel with a casino attached to it. Yeah, man. I mean, you got you got Jay, Neil, and uh, maybe you could get Gabe out there just blowing and going because apparently, according to uh, G Pits that came out Sunday, uh, Reno is only a couple of hours from Gabe's house, so it's, it's, he's right there ready to go. <laughs> Um, but anyways, so you're, you're eligible if you, if you have 500 employees or less and you don't meet one of those criteria, which I can't imagine any of our listeners or your listeners yeah, the would meet that criteria. The vast majority of people so, are going to be eligible or the vast majority of right. small businesses are going to be eligible. Right. Right. And so, and so then the next question is, okay, so what, do, what relief do I get? So one of the, from a bankruptcy perspective, one of the big things that this act does with reference to small business loans is it waives the requirement for a personal guarantee. Right. So, so normally, you know, if <coughs> Neil, let's say MPW Digital goes and takes out a small business loan, you know, maybe you, you took it out to get one started to buy all your equipment or set up a studio or, or, or just to have operating revenue, whatever. 
um, you would execute a personal guarantee. So in addition to you borrowing the money, you, Neil McCready, would have to sign a personal guarantee saying, okay, not only is MPW Digital liable for this loan, but Neil McCready personally is liable for this loan, which brings all your personal assets into play yeah. to, for, to, for possible collection of that loan. Well, that requirement has been waived for these loans. So if you go and borrow money on one of these loans and you don't pay it back, they can't come after you personally to collect the money. Only they can only come after your business. This is the this is the $10,000 loan slash grant, right? We're not talking about the pay payroll protection right now. No, no, that is that is the payroll protection yeah. program. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um the, I'm going yeah, to because here, here's a, here's a question, here's a question that a lot of people have. Sure. A lot of people have a question because the, the $10,000 is easy to apply for. I mean, it's like, it's like 15, 20 minutes. Yep. You're, you're done. It's, it's basically guaranteed. And as long as you can prove that you use the money to, to uh, maintain, like in, in, in my case, you know, my self-employment, if you will, and that mm -hmm. I continue to pay my payroll taxes, that money's, that, that, that uh, grant, is it, that loan's going to become a grant. Right. Up to $10,000. Right, right. So the question is that a lot of people are having, to some degree self-included, self is we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know how long this is going to go. I mean, you know, that, that, that $10,000 for a lot of people covers you for about two and a half months. It, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't cover you beyond that, and we don't know what, what the fall looks like yet. I mean, there's some encouraging signs, but we don't know yet. And so the question that a lot of people have is do I – do I do the, the $10,000 and then do I apply for a separate loan on top of that? Yes. So, so the $10,000 that you're talking about, that's part of a SBA disaster. Yeah. The disaster loans. loan. Yep. That's a separate program from the payroll protection program. That was in, you may remember uh, the president signed before the cares act, which was the big $2 trillion package. There was there was some legislation that he signed into law two or three weeks before that, and the disaster. What can what money can you get under the PPP? So under the PPP, you can you can borrow money for payroll, and that that includes your payroll expenses, includes your actual payroll, so the money you actually give to your employees, and it also includes people who are self-employed or sole proprietors of businesses. Yeah, um, and, and health also, and health benefits and retirement benefits if right if and they're so, in there. Yeah, so, so health benefits and four hundred one k and your portion of the payroll taxes right. that you pay. Um, so that all goes into payroll, and then it can go for rent or mortgage interest only. So no principal on your mortgage, but mortgage interest and utilities. And then, and then the amount that you can get is up to up to ten million dollars. And so the but the amount that you calculate what you're eligible for is you take the that payroll expense, utilities expense, and rent rent or mortgage interest expense multiply it by 2.5 and then that gives you your total amount of your PPP loan. And that loan is going to bear interest at 1% and it matures in two years. So you got to pay it back in two years. Um, the difference between that and the disaster relief loan is the disaster relief loan can be up to 30 years, but the PPP has to be two years. But one of the the better things about the PPP is, so like you said earlier, Neil, that ten only $10,000 of that disaster relief loan can become a grant is forgivable. The PPP, the full amount of your payroll, rent, and utilities expense can become forgivable. Yeah, just have the interest piece. Right. And so... And so the way that works is they're still working this out, but you're basically going to apply for the forgiveness eight weeks from the date that you sign your promissory note right. under the PP. Um, they have advised, though, that due to limitations of available funds, because I think this program has about it's $368 billion, um, 
in available funds for it. And I know by noon, I read that by noon on the first day that they were able to start processing applications, Bank of America by itself had done six billion in applications already. Um, and so they said for anything other than payroll, you may expect that only 25% of your rent and utilities would be forgiven would due be- to fund availability. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, Neil, you know, what, what do you do in the long term? <clears throat> is so the PPP gives you a bigger chunk of money and forgives more of it. So that should be able to last you a little longer. Does that answer your question in a long roundabout way? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is the two questions that I know people have uh, coming in on, on the, on the heels of that is how quickly will people start to see some of the money? I've already seen people saying, Hey, nobody's getting the money yet. Um, and then, and then too, because the SBA is sort of notorious for like picking these things apart. Hey, you didn't fill this out. Right. Nope. Yep. You got to kick it out. I mean, that's what they're known for. And then the second question, and, and one that's a bigger topic of conversation for people is, look, we're all hopeful, right, that, that the economy is back going again in May and we're, we're cruising and, and all that. But if we're not, if this thing drags into the summer, uh, if unemployment continues to rise, is there another, in this case, there was a recovery package. Is yep. there a stimulus package coming on the heels of a recovery package? Yeah, Um so to answer your first question, the SBA started taking applications from banks this last Friday. They went, they, they went live with that Friday morning. And they were still changing um, the rules of the game on Friday. Yeah, they were kind of, they're kind of yeah, building a plan yeah. for flights. They had an interim final package. Think about that for a second. Only the government does that. Interim final package. That was yeah, those words are counter, counterintuitive. Yeah, they are. We have a temporary so, final package ready, available for you to fill out and submit yeah. to us. You're welcome. Your U.S. government. Yeah. So the way the way it works is you get your there's a the the SBA sub- circulated an application to banks that they're to provide to their customers. So you fill that out, you get it to your banker, and then they submit it electronically to the SBA. And I think that we are still waiting for the SBA to process those and get back to people about approval. Yeah, even though they said it was going to be same day. Yeah, I would expect that to happen by the end of the week. I know that the bill provides for extra funding for more SBA employees to process all these things. And we're working around the clock and on weekends to get it done. But, uh, you know, I would expect applications to be processed by the end of this week and then you know, for you to be able to sign your promissory note and get your money sometime next week. Yeah. I imagine that's probably, that's probably true, Jarrett, because I know for the not-for-profit that I'm a board member of, we applied because we have our, all of our constituents are, well, and it's a soccer club. So, you know, um, they're not, kids aren't on the field. Um, you know, and a lot of parents took hits and couldn't afford to pay their last two months worth of dues, which kind of rolled it downhill to us to being in, in jeopardy of not being able to pay our coaches, which we have a contract with our coaches to pay them. Um, and so we, we did, we applied, but man, my banker emailed me back. It was like, he was work. it was a Sunday night and it was like 10 o'clock and he had been working all through the weekend. So, I mean, they're, they're really, I mean, they are working some crazy long hours. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's going to be end of the week this week, um, before, before stuff starts rolling out. And then, and then to answer your question about what's going to happen uh, later this summer, uh, that's a little above my pay grade. Uh, you know, I could I could call some of my buddies in Congress and maybe ask them. Uh, you know, I could shoot the president a tweet. Maybe he'll respond. Um, no, he'll beat you. Uh, chance. He spends a lot of time on the Twitter machine. <laughs> he does. That he does. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was – if that were to happen, if this thing continues, but at the end of the, at a certain point, there's only so, so much money that, that the government can dole out. And so people are going to, you know, I, I don't know how long the government can continue to prop prop things up like this. Um, 
you know, I'm not an economist by any means, but I just kind of see things, you know, from my, my foxhole as it is. And I, I think we're going to see, we're going to, in the next few months, especially if this thing continues into the fall, we're going to see a, a serious uptick in bankruptcy filings in the next six months. Yeah. Jared, I'll take a swing at the, I'll take a swing at the, the one you didn't want to answer. And I'll kind of give you some what if scenarios. And then we'll, I do want to spend, maybe we pay bills and then I want to spend the rest of the time kind of talking about bankruptcy. Um, sure. And, you know, and cause I know that people have a, you know, there's a stigma about bankruptcy where people feel like it's personal and it's a failure. And, and, and in this case, in a lot of cases, it's, it's, it's event driven, not personal at all. But um, so I'll take a swing at the stimulus piece of do I think that, you know, the government's going to offer something up. I, I think if this thing continues to run um, for, you know, if, even if it runs through the end of May, I think you will see a, see a stimulus. So the, the stats I've been reading for the shutdown by the end of April 30th, if the economy economy comes back, we, we come back at 97% um, of the businesses that we had, you know, prior to. So 3% of the businesses and all, and all of them being small businesses, maybe a couple of energy sector businesses have, have shut down. Uh, if, if it's May, the number I've seen is, you know, we come back at 92%. If it's June, it's like 85. And then beyond that, they haven't even, calculated because it would be globally catastrophic as well but let's just pretend that you know we get through we get to the end of april they say hey we're gonna keep we're gonna keep shut down for another 30 days which jp morgan did a study this was several years back and it's kind of become popular in the news about the amount of cash that small businesses have on hand and it's based on the number of days of, of operating capital and uh, most small businesses have less than a month's worth of cash on hand but You'll see, I think you will see a stimulus if it continues on, but the way that it'll happen, I, I think uh, if we see another stimulus, it will be, it'll be totally to the individuals. It will not be any more corporate stimulus um, or to, to any large entities. It would be a straight up check, you know, cash in hand, um, you know, check to the American people um, to, to put money back into the economy. Cause you know, with this relief bill, you know, a lot of people, especially with the unemployment going up, um, you know, a lot of that is there to help folks stay afloat and, you know, to pay, just pay their bills. It is not going to stimulate the economy per se. It's just to keep everyone from financial catastrophe and collapse. You know, the one thing no one's even talked about yet because it's still so far away is with unemployment rising and with people losing money, even the people who are employed losing money, the, the, tax revenues a year from now that the government collects are going to be so down from from what they've been in the past it's it's going to be really remarkable to watch the the federal government with with so much debt now uh and and look i get it when, yeah. no one's fault but with so much debt now and and very and, and and a reduced income stream coming in it's going to have to operate more efficiently no matter who's in the white house whether it's trump or or someone else yeah, and you know, it's when you say that, Neil, it's not just federal, but it's the state as well. And a, a big thing for states is going to be nobody's collecting any sales tax because yeah. people aren't buying stuff. Yeah, and, and income tax revenue yeah. will be down. Yeah, so I mean, you're absolutely right. That's going to hurt the federal government and the state governments a, a, a good bit. Um, yep. we're just gonna, there's going to be cuts and going to have to be cuts in spending somewhere. One well, thing we and there'll be a day of reckoning as well at some point where taxes are just going to rise there. They are going to have to happen. Yeah. It's the credit card analogy, right? Yep. I mean, yep. it, it's, yep. it's, you, you keep, you keep adding it to your credit card and you call and you, you get an extension, you get, you get, you know, you make enough payment where they go, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. We'll extend you out a few thousand dollars. But finally there comes a point where you run out of credit and they say, nope. Yep. can't give you any more and pay it all. Now you, now you got to start paying it, yep. it hurt, it, it, the hurting comes. Yep, yeah. Right. And you know, and real quick, I'm going to jump on, I'm going to jump on that real quick, Neil. And then Jared, I'll switch back over to you. Um, you know, a lot of people, and we can dive deep into this another day, um, who are asking for reprieve for their mortgages, you know, their mortgage companies are giving them some form of forbearance. But what a lot of people don't realize is that forbearance that most of the mortgage companies are doing is not, um, they're not tagging it on to the end of the, of the mortgage. They're saying, I'm going to give you forbearance for six months. And so if your mortgage is, you know, let's just say easy math, a thousand dollars a month, 
um, and they give you forbearance for six months. In month seven, you don't owe a thousand dollars; you owe seven thousand dollars plus the tax plus the the interest on that as well. So, yep. we can dive. That's a whole yeah, deep hole. It's a whole different deal yep. that a lot of people do not understand. Yep, and uh, there's and there's, it can cause a lot of problems. Well, frankly, it's fraudulent in the way that it's uh, it's described to some people. There, you know, it, it's. I've heard people talk about that. I'm like, I don't think you understand what yeah. that means. Yeah, and it, it can hurt. It can hurt a lot of people, and oh, it can yeah. be devastating. Yeah. to people. Yeah. Um, but before we get before we continue, let me tell you this podcast is also brought to you by the refrigeration company TRC, owned and operated by Jeremy Watler. He's been in the refrigeration field more than 20 years, including five as a national service manager at TRC. They understand that great service means being responsive. They're highly trained responsible and dedicated staff available 24 7 to ensure your complete satisfaction they specialize in ammonia refrigeration but they work on any other hfc hcfc or co2 systems they're building winning relationships with customers in baking cold storage warehouses ice production facilities and facilities serving dairy food poultry and catfish processing they're based in alabama but they're licensed in texas louisiana mississippi tennessee and south carolina as well they can handle all of your company's refrigeration needs, including installation, fabrication, service, compressor rebuilds, ammonia detection, calibration, vibration analysis, and more. To, le- to learn more, call Jeremy Watler at 251-348-8533 or email him at jeremy at therefrigeco.com. You can follow them on Facebook or at their website, therefrigeco.com. We're also brought to you by Elite Dental Care with offices throughout West Tennessee. In Germantown, Jackson, and Trenton, Elite Dental Care has five doctors, more than 75 years of combined experience with their different areas of expertise. The doctors at Elite Dental Care offer convenience along with the latest in technology. It's a family practice. The entire family can be seen no matter age or severity of problems. Elite Dental Care focuses on staying up to date on all the latest technology, including intraoral cameras, digital x-rays and impressions, 3D x-rays and more. The TVs and radios in every room giving patients the comforts of home, all while they receive the most modern technological treatment. Elite Dental Care offers both conscious sedation and IV sedation for patients that are anxious or scared, or for those that might not be fearful but just have a lot of work to do and can't afford to take time off work for multiple visits. With sedation, Elite Dental Care is able to get much more work done in one visit, which ultimately saves the patient time and money. So if you're looking for a dentist in West Tennessee or the Memphis area, call Mark Harper, Dr. Clint Buchanan, and Dr. Mike Farah at Elite Dental Care. You can reach them at EliteDentalCare.com or follow them on Facebook and or Instagram. Martin? Yeah, all right. So, Jarrett, before uh, before we paid our bills, I cut you off, man. And and uh, just okay. also for the, the, the sake of time, I think we've probably got about a, about a solid 10, 10, 12 minutes left. And I wanted you to spend some time because this is your man, you're the expert in this field and, and, and Neil and I can just ask a couple of questions as well, but spend some time talking about, you know, what if you're that business that, you know, as you said, you know, the revenue is dried up, you know, the, you've done the, the payment protection plan through the SBA, you've done the loan through the SBA, but it's, it's not enough to keep you afloat what's next? Cause I mean, I know a lot of people are real, sometimes it's pride and they say, I don't want to, you know, restructure. I don't want to do file bankruptcy. And sometimes that's just what folks have to end up doing. Kind of walk us through what's next. If you end up, if you see yourself in that situation. Sure. Um, so, you know, first we, we always try to, to avoid a bankruptcy filing if at all possible. There, there's a lot of things we can do, what we call pre-petition, so that's pre-filing for bankruptcy, to, to try to buy you some more time. We can negotiate some forbearance with some of your creditors, um, you know, like like Neil had mentioned. Um, we, can, we can try to negotiate new terms of the loans to extend out the maturity dates and reduce the payments. Um, there's a lot of options that, that you have there that we can try to take that approach because they're they're cheaper and you know they're they're less severe than bankruptcy. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you go to the doctor, they're not gonna just go have go do surgery right away. We want to try to do the less least invasive thing we can do first. Right. But it, if you don't have any revenue, 
those things don't really do you any good. Right. So, so then the next option is, okay, we're going to file for bankruptcy. And so as I discussed on the last, the last podcast that we had, um, you got a few options. So for, for businesses, the main two options are chapter 11 and chapter seven. So a chapter 11 is a reorganization. A chapter seven is a liquidation. Um, so the, the first thing that it does for you is if you, if you go and file and the bill collectors are banging on your door day to day and, you know, they, you just can't get them to stop. The day we file that bankruptcy petition, all of the stops, the automatic stay provisions of the bankruptcy code go into place and your creditors cannot try to collect any debt from you, period. Um, so then if, if we're in chapter 11, which is, which is what most businesses are going to do, if, especially if they're trying, if you're just planning on shutting the business down, I would say file chapter seven, especially if you have personal guarantees. If you have personal guarantees, normally what we do is we just file a chapter seven for your business and we file a chapter seven for you personally and we just wrap things up and you cease to operate. But a lot of these businesses, what they're, what they're going to want to do is not necessarily quit doing business, but you're trying to buy some time to ride this thing out right. to where your business hopefully comes back. Like you said, 97% of businesses should come back if we, if we go back to work by the end of April. Right. So, so if that's what we're looking at, we're, we're looking at a chapter 11 for a business. And so, um, the good thing about a chapter 11 is, is, is it, it really does buy you a lot of time. Um, you don't have to submit a plan of reorganization until 180 days after you file your bankruptcy petition, because the, the, the plan is the big ticket item in the chapter 11 case. So basically what the plan is, is when you file bankruptcy, you say, okay, I'm in bankruptcy. And then you put together a plan that says, Hey, here's all the people that I owe money to. Here's, what income I've got and here's how we're going to treat all these people that I owe money to. So we're going to re-amortize this, this creditor's note over a longer period of time to reduce the monthly payment. Um, the, if you have tax debts, you know, we're going to extend the, the time period that we're going to pay the taxes out over a longer period of time. Um, some of your unsecured debts might get discharged, meaning that you don't owe them anymore. Um, and so you don't have to do that for to file your plan for 180 days after you file bankruptcy. So, I mean, if we're back in six months and you file, let's say you file chapter 11, April 30th, then you don't have to be, you don't have to file your plan until October. And so hopefully things are on the rise in October and now you've got some revenue to to make your plan with because like i said earlier there's no replacement for revenue if you don't have revenue you can't reorganize that's that's just the long and short of it right but that gives you some time to get things figured out and so then what happens after you file the plan is then all your creditors get to vote on the plan and the plan has to has to meet certain statutory requirements um in order to be able to be confirmed um, and I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty legal details of it, but there's just certain things like it has to pay certain creditors, certain amounts of money, certain things that are non-dischargeable have to be paid and it has to meet all those criteria. And then additionally, it has, you have to have one class of impaired creditor. So an impaired creditor means that they're not getting exactly what they're entitled to under whatever contract created the debt. So like an example would be, um, let's say you've got a mortgage on your office building and the terms of that mortgage are that you're going to pay it. Um, that's got a balloon on it that balloons in two years and it accrues interest at 7% um, and it's amortized over 20 years. So if, if our bankruptcy plan says that we're going to extend that balloon for 10 years and we're going to pay interest at what's called the till rate, which is a local rate set by the court in Mississippi, it's 6.5%. We're going to pay 
interest at the till rate for 10 years, and then there's going to be a balloon, even though they're actually getting more money under that than they than they were under the contract. It, they're not getting exactly what they're entitled to under the contract, so they're an impaired credit. So just so because you, get, you extended it 10 years, um, and well, and I guess the interest rate changed, that means that they're not getting the, so that's what, that's what makes them impaired. Correct. Okay. Exactly. And so, and so if you get one impaired creditor to vote yes, and you meet all the, the statutory requirements, um, if people really want to get in the nitty gritty and read those, it's, uh, section 1329 of the bankruptcy code. <laughs> um, but good luck with that. I think uh, that we'll get them there for when they're having trouble sleeping or they're bored right, exactly. in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. Uh, it's good bedtime reading for sure. Um, but so if you meet all those, then your plan gets confirmed and then you start you start uh, performing under the plan. And then it generally has a term no more than five years and uh, you go about your merry way. And when you're done with your plan, your bankruptcy case is closed and you're done. That's it. So um, that's that's reorganization. And then the other one is essentially chapter seven is just you're walking away and you're saying, I'm done, um, you know, liquidate everything, sell it pay people what we can pay them and and that's it is that correct that's right so so like i said earlier when we do chapter seven for a business it it's really more in conjunction with an individual okay well so i mean a lot of the people that are probably at the highest risk for even having to step into this are probably going to be those mom and pop small businesses that you know have those personal guarantees right on, yeah. you know, it's a restaurant, and, it's a, you know, it's a dry cleaners, it's a, a daycare, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a something that so many restaurants are going to get hammered on this if they oh, can't yeah. get back soon. I mean, it just, there's a lot of restaurants that just, if, if, if it's two, three months, they just can't, yeah, they can't make it. They're done. There's I mean, no yeah. coming, there's no coming back. And, and, ha- yeah, and how would they, you know, it's, I mean, you can't, it, this is, yeah, and this is an event driven thing. It's like, it, there was no way to quote unquote foresee that that the you know the, the that the world was gonna get shut down. And if you'd ask <clears throat> if you'd asked me four months ago, hey, the world's gonna be shut down for thirty days, true or not true, gun to your head, I would have been like, Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? We can't shut the global economy down. That's 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 insane. Yeah. The, the, not to get on this topic, what's really interesting t- today as we move forward because I, I do think we're approaching the place where we start asking the question, okay, how do we get back? And one of the things that like for restaurants and stuff that is going to be so interesting is how do they, how do they recreate an environment where they're, they're monitoring the whole social distancing thing, which is going to be with us for a while. And yet at the same time, they can start to create a, a voluminous way to turn tables and to pack a restaurant and make money and all of that stuff. It's, it's going to be, even when the, the all clear, if you will, is given to, hey, you can reopen your restaurant, you can get back to work, getting people to to have the kind of confidence to go do that is, is going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, from a financial standpoint, with a restaurant in particular, is you need – essentially, you need startup capital like you're opening a new restaurant. So you need money to go buy food. You yep. need money in the bank to – pay your employees until you get those revenue streams going again. And, and I don't know where that, where that's going to come from for restaurants. So, so yeah, like we were saying in, in a chapter seven, we typically do it because a chapter seven does not give an entity a discharge. So if MPW digital, God forbid files chapter seven, it doesn't get a discharge. But if Neil McCready files Chapter 7, he does get a discharge. So that's why we really only do it in conjunction with an individual um, that has personal guarantees because it really does – if you're just doing a business, Chapter 7, it really doesn't do you any good. Um, Right. So but typically what happens then is you file a petition and the automatic stay goes in place just like within – that's universal with any bankruptcy case. The difference between an 11 and a 7 is a trustee is appointed over the bankruptcy estate in a 7. So if you file Chapter 7, you're going to get a trustee appointed that's in control of all your assets. In a Chapter 11, that doesn't happen. You're your own trustee. You're what's called a debtor in possession. 
And so the trustee is then going to take all of your non-exempt assets and liquidate them and distribute that money to creditors. And there's a certain priority that, that the creditors get paid in from top to bottom. Um, and so it, I'll just tap, touch on exemptions very briefly. Um, basically, exemptions are things that the trustee cannot touch to liquidate to pay your creditors. And the way the exemptions are determined is you can opt into federal exemptions or you can go by your state exemptions. It's up to you. Um, to choose which one's more favorable. From It varies from state to state. Typically, the same types of things are exempt, but the amounts, the, of the value of them vary. Like an example, one of the biggest ones is under Mississippi exemptions, you get an exemption for up to $75,000 of the equity in your homestead. So your house where you live, you get an exemption for $75,000 on that. Well, in Alabama, I think it's only 10. So in Alabama, you may be better off taking the federal exemptions. It, it depends on your situation. Um, gotcha. So, I mean, so that's, and that's something that, you know, and I guess for you, you're licensed in Mississippi, right? Are you, are you licensed in any other right, state? Yeah. or? No. So we're, okay. uh, all the lawyers here at Linson Little are licensed to practice in northern and southern uh, federal, federal courts for the northern southern district of Mississippi, all state courts and in Mississippi gotcha. and the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. And then my dad, Bill, is licensed to practice before the United States Supreme Court as well. Um, so, yeah, so if you're in another state and, and you're having these questions about exemptions, you need to talk to an attorney there because I, I mean, I can look them up and tell you, but I, I can't tell you offhand yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what they are. Um, but so, so basically then what happens is the trustee is going to take all your non-exempt assets <clears throat> and liquidate them and, and you know, use the money to pay your creditors. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to lose everything because you can enter into what's called a reaffirmation agreement. So let's say typically what people enter reaffirmation agreements for is their houses and their cars. So um, let's say, Neil, I'm going to use you as a guinea pig. I'm assuming you have a mortgage on your house right yeah and did you your truck did you buy it cash or did you do you have a note on it uh, i've got a note on it okay so so let's say you're filing for bankruptcy and you obviously need to keep your house and you need to keep your truck because you need a place a way to get around right um so you can enter into a reaffirmation agreement with your creditors with the bank on your house and with you know ford motor credit or whoever you have your 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 loan on your truck with and basically what you're saying is I'm going I'm going to keep this asset and I'm going to continue to pay the note. And so you enter into an reaffirmation agreement with your creditor that gets filed with the court. The reason it gets filed with the court is if to pay if to continue to pay that note would make your monthly expenses exceed your monthly income, then the court has to approve your reaffirmation agreement because of a hardship so basically you know look i have this car i have this house i know i can't afford on my monthly payments to pay them but i have to have them i have to have a place to live and i have to have a car then the court will still approve it's up to the judge that she has discretion to approve um approve those agreements so then after all that's done and over with To say it's it's kind of a legal fiction, it, it doesn't necessarily go away, but your creditors are enjoined from collecting it from you. And so from a legal standpoint, it's not the same as the debt going away, but for your purposes, it is. Um, and, then, and then you're done. Most Chapter 7s are pretty quick and dirty. They take max six months. It's interesting stuff. Um, we're going to stop there. We've got lots of uh, Probably have lots of time to uh, to revisit a lot of these things. We'll, uh, I know Martin, you've you've got some plans for next week's show, diving more into the uh, the CARES Act and, and how it impacts um, different individuals and different businesses. So yep, yeah, and I think uh, hey, uh, Jarrett, for 
for folks who, who may want to just give you a buzz and figure out, you know, maybe do some pre-planning and figure out if they're what, uh, you know, what they can do beforehand. Uh, how, how do folks get in touch with you before we wrap up? Sure. Uh, so our, like Neil said at the beginning of the podcast, our law firm is called Lentz, L-E-N-T-Z and Little P-A. We're based out of Gulfport, Mississippi, but we service the entire state. Um, you can go to our website, which is L-E-N-T-Z-L-I-T-T-L-E.com, lentzlittle.com, or you can call me. I am at my office um, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and our number here is 228-867-6050, or you can send me an email. My email is Jarrett, J-A-R-R-E-T-T, at L-E-N-T-Z-L-I-T-T-L-E. Dot com. And I do want to make one shameless plug uh, for those of uh, your listeners who listened to Lindsay Lutz um, on the podcast last week yeah. talking about uh, frontline heroes and providing, um, you know, food, helping local restaurants out by buying food from them and helping our healthcare workers at our hospitals that are busting their humps. Yeah, um, providing them lunch. Know, that's right. To provide them with, with a meal. Uh, we have started up. A, if you want to call it a Gulfport or Mississippi Gulf Coast chapter awesome. of that, that organization. Um, we're in the, the infant stages of it right now, but you can find us there on uh, Instagram at Frontline Heroes MS Coast or Twitter FL Heroes MS Coast. And both of those pages have a link to a Venmo account where you can donate. Okay. Awesome, man. Pr- I appreciate you setting that up on the coast and, uh, man, thanks for joining us today. I know it's probably crazy times for you, Neil. Also, thanks for for keeping this thing rocking and rolling through all this craziness as well. Yeah, Jared, thanks again. Really, really appreciate it. Great stuff, and we hope to visit with you again soon. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. That's Jared Little uh, for Martin Palomo. I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Mind on My Money podcast. We'll be back next week with another one. Until then, I uh, hope everybody out there stays safe and stay well, and we'll uh, – Talk to you then. Take care.